Welcome to False Flag Weekly News, the weekly news show that takes a battering ram to the wall of propaganda and helps you bust it down and see what's on the other side. I'm Kevin Barrett with Kat McGuire back on the show. Hey, welcome back, Kat. Hey, hi. And people who want me to make videos with Kat instead of Kat videos should be contributing to our fundraisers. We are a little over halfway to today's fundraiser. So technically, I could refuse to do the show and force you to talk for a whole hour, Kat. Are you are you up for that? I think so. I'm a gas bag. Oh, no. She's trying to get me off the show. She's trying to take over my gig. Okay. Well, I'm not going to let that happen. But people, pay up or else. Uh, Muse the Cat is going to come and bite you and scratch you. Okay. Let's get going on the show. So where are we here? Disclaimers. Uh, we always do disclaimers. We question things on this show, which is increasingly uh, illegal as well as immoral and fattening. So if you don't like questioning, watch a different show. Uh, next slide. Uh, this is extremely disturbing. The, the events happening in our world are disturbing, and we talk about them. So if you can't handle that, do something else. And finally, if your medical and or mental health is threatened by anything involving watching this show, you should definitely consult with your uh, your your palmist or uh, psychic health practitioner. <laughs> hey, we have one on the show. Oh, we're not we're not supposed to say that. We're not supposed to be doing things like that on this show. So anyway, I screwed up my disclaimer completely, and we're probably going to get sued. Um, and speaking of getting sued, if the Pentagon could sue me, they probably would. I'd rather sue them. They have a lot more money. Uh, talk about deep pockets. Man, they are raking it in on this Ukraine war cat. I mean, you know, if I were a conspiracy theorist, I would think that the military-industrial complex is behind this whole thing. Oh, my God. It was really hard to find out the results from the meeting that they had on Wednesday. Um, but basically, their bottom line was to find out the Department of Defense, to find out from the weapons contractors um, what they need to do to accelerate getting more products out. And two, their other um, goal in that meeting was what can the Pentagon do to alleviate any of their challenges? So um we have to realize that there's been a tectonic shift because there was a growing trend from citizens demanding ethical responsibility to not invest in the arms industry. And just this past December, more than 50 Nobel Prize winners signed an appeal urging for a peace dividend that uh, reduced military spendings by a uh, trillion dollars by 2030. That was just in December. And now, look, war financing is uh, going like gangbusters. Ukraine has become this game, uh, game changer. Biden is doling money out to uh, Ukrainians like a drunken soldier. The armaments industry is euphoric. Basically, this frenzy of military spending on Ukraine has so far reached 1.7 billion. It's like Ukraine is the new Afghanistan, the next never-ending boondoggle. And they're raking it in. It's disgusting. And it kind of pisses me off, you know, this office of acquisition and sustainment, the weapons buyer for the DOD uh, that had this meeting is, uh, you know, that that's those are the some of the ugliest, nastiest, most evil people on the planet. You know, I, I recently got bo booted off of Twitter for visualizing Pakistanis nuking the U.S. Embassy in Islamabad, uh, just visualizing it, not advocating it. Uh, so I guess I had better not imagine anybody using hypersonic weapons on the Pentagon's Office of Acquisition and Development or the corporate headquarters of the leading American, American military contractors, because as Nixon said, it would be wrong. Uh, speaking of wrong things, uh, how, uh, 
we, we do have a story. We didn't get a slide for this story, but uh, the two alleged Iranian spies uh, who were arrested trying to penetrate high-level American uh, security clearance stuff, uh, the rumor is that they were planning to kill John Bolton in revenge for the murder of General Soleimani. Uh, and that, of course, has led millions of people around the world to say, hey, too bad they got caught. But, of course, we wouldn't say that because it would be wrong. We wouldn't harm a single hair on Bolton's foppish mustache, would we, Cat? Yeah. Unless we get our hands on the son of a bitch. I was, I was joking. Okay, so anyway, back to the story here. American generals and and uh, and military officers are actually running this war on Ukraine, according to a French journalist, Georges Malbruno, the senior international correspondent for Le Figaro, the most prestigious French newspaper, has confirmation that the American military is running the war on Ukraine. Um, Kat, I guess we're at war. Um, I totally believe it. I, and I think the U.S. and NATO are using Ukraine as one humongous human shield to attack Russia, finally getting their digs in. And Le Figaro reported on that uh, uh, French journalist that the U.S. and the U.K. have been conducting a secret war in the Ukraine since the very beginning in February um, when Russia um, invaded. They have their elite special forces there with the U.S., it's Delta Force, and the U.K., it's um, SAS. Um, and this French journalist actually interacted with an American commando who was in charge of the so-called foreign mercenaries. Um, all the while, the public has no clue at all um, because the officials have been saying none of our troops are fighting. The MS, uh, the mainstream. It's just Union. Ukrainian grandmothers destroying Russian tanks with their knitting needles. Uh, exactly. Um, there's nothing about secret forces being reported and no declaration of war by Congress. So they're just going like on uh, gangbusters. And supposedly an American general, uh, U.S. Lieutenant General Robert Cloutier, um, was captured early on um, in Mariupol, where he was embedded with an Azov uh, regiment. So uh, Pentagon's not talking about that. There's all kinds of secret stuff. We cannot accept at face value what our media is telling us. Of course not. It's the uh, the wall of propaganda lies. Uh, and so this this whole war scenario is really spinning out of control with Americans now directly at war with Russia, uh, running this Ukrainian neo-Nazi army. Uh, and then we now have the possibility that Nor Norway and or rather Sweden and Finland will join NATO. So that's the end of the talk of a nuclear free Baltic uh, and Russia's uh, Kaliningrad enclave, which is in what used to be Prussia between Poland and Lithuania is now really uh, in the, in the thick of things. So uh, if NATO uh, tries to further expand, uh, you know, Russia has drawn its red line in Ukraine and it's still unclear what the red line is for Sweden and Finland, but it sure looks like we're heading for World War III, and the obvious cause uh, is the aggression of NATO, which has murdered at least 30 million people around the world uh, since the end of the Cold War, probably a lot more than that, in wars of aggression, uh, serial wars of aggression. These, I, I think NATO, Cat, really is, is the worst group of war criminals in all of human history. Yeah, I know that Paul Pod and Hitler and all these people were pretty bad, uh, not to mention Genghis Khan and those folks. But honestly, NATO, it represents countries that are 
totally secure and prosperous and have absolutely no reason to have to engage in these wars, to have to go attack countries halfway around the world like Iraq and Afghanistan and Libya and Syria and on and on and on and on and on. And that those wars of choice in which 30 million innocent people have been murdered since the 9-11 false flag, this... To me, that makes NATO by far the worst war criminals in history. So anything that you can imagine that would have been just to say do to somebody like Hitler, uh, you should do it 100 times worse to anybody from NATO that you can find. That's true. And they've really ramped up the whole Cold War um, scenario uh, when we had mutually assured destruction. Well, now we're at Cold War 2.0 and the dangers of nuclear annihilation are heightened because the epicenter now is right at Russia's borders. There's uh, virtually no opposition uh, to war within the U.S. establishment um, or even in our alt communities. And um, it lacks any kind of stabilizing rules that were developed during the cold first Cold War that are now gone. That Minsk agreement that they made in 2014 is being totally ignored. You never hear the press uh, talk about the Minsk agreement. Putin talks about it all the time. It was basically in 2014 an agreement of sorts, a peace contract that the U.S. has completely violated. So it's the West, indeed, that are the liars. And they're breaking the Minsk agreement like they've broken every peace treaty they've ever made with Native Americans. And listen to Ned Price, the spokesperson for the State Department. He says, uh, we would not be concerned that the extension or expansion of a defensive alliance would be anything other than to promote stability on the European continent. What BS? You know, these these people uh, lie like they breathe. I mean, they really... Uh, anyway, move, moving on before I start uh, saying bad things about Ned Price that I shouldn't say. How about the Brookings Institute, which is the empire's number one think tank, threatening Mexico, saying cancel Russia or else uh, President Lopez Obrador uh, has pissed off the empire by being neutral. Oh, my God, being neutral. Oh, what a crime. You don't have a right to do that. We own you. Talk about arrogance. These gringos are the scum of the earth. Yeah, and this article was just incredibly bullying. It's a throwback to Cold War behavior, full of ad hominems that they were calling to um, Obrador, basically calling him a stupid idiot for not abiding by the all-knowing, all-powerful U.S. But I loved Obrador's Yankee go-home nationalism and his bravery to go up against the powerful U.S. right at his border and support Russia. But um, we must remember that he used to be with the radical PRI party in his youth, which was about the non-alignment movement, which uh, Kennedy had supported. Um, but the poor guy, his whole foreign office opposes him, siding with Uncle Sam. But um, I, I um, applaud him that he abstained from the UN vote to suspend Russia from the UN Human Rights Council. So that took a lot of um, bravado. But the Brookings Institute, one of the as you said, the um, the number one think tank is now uh, saying that the that Obrador has to follow U.S. rules based um, law. I mean, it's just outlandish that what they're how they're uh, um, portraying him, and then making the the stupid observation that if he would behave, he could be Mexico's number one strategic partner with the U.S. Yeah, right. Like uh, Israel, U.K., and Canada are going to be moving aside. <laughs> it's just absurd. Yeah. And, and of all of the idiotic uh, lies uh, in this bullying article, the one that really jumped out at me was saying, mentioning the so-called false equivalence of uh, Putin saying, well, how would you feel if we put nukes on the U.S.-Mexico border in Mexico uh, or Canada? 
And well, the author, of course, doesn't stop to try to explain why that's a false equivalence because it's not. It's a perfectly true equivalence. But these people don't have to explain. It's this point and sputter mode of arguing where you don't have to back up anything you say with any facts or logic uh, because you're you're too arrogant to live. These people are all too arrogant to live. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, somebody who actually is making a little bit of sense in this insane situation is Marine Le Pen. You know, I never thought I would actually be cheering for somebody like Marine Le Pen. She's an Islamophobic uh, B-word, whatever. But she actually is is starting to sound sane compared to the rest of them, which just tells you how crazy the rest of them have gotten. And she might win this election. Uh, in fact, she's probably, you know, Macron being as, as disgusting as he is. It'd be actually kind of fun to see uh, Le Pen win the election. Never thought I'd ever say that. I know. Same thing. It's it's the same thing with Trump. Who would have ever thought uh, Trump would be a hero against these um, authoritarian uh, fascist totalitarians? But um, Le Pen is anti-mandates and anti-war. Um, so, of course, the left has to play their only card, which is to smear her as anti-right right wing, which now axiomatically means that she's a Hitler Nazi. Um, it's really crazy. It took out their armed forces from NATO in 1966 and didn't reinstate them until 2009. And that entire time, uh, de Gaulle, the president of France during that time period, had over 30 assassination attempts. Well, not all the way up to 2009. Sorry. But de Gaulle was the one who removed the armed forces from NATO in 1966. And over 30 assassination attempts were against him. In part, some say because of his refusal to participate fully in NATO. Yeah, some of the same Zionist-linked assassins who killed JFK allegedly were involved in some of the attempts on de Gaulle. And that's there's a whole long backstory there. So, yeah, I guess Marine Le Pen had better watch her proverbial back. Uh, so anyway, yeah, she she finished behind Macron. Uh, but in this next round, uh, we'll see what happens. Well, moving on. To the best article of the week. This is really good war reporting from the front lines by this guy, Brett uh, Redmayne Titley, who's going to be on my radio show next week, uh, reporting live from Ukraine. And uh, this this article really uh, takes you there. And, and you know, you kind of see uh, stuff that you're not supposed to see. The You know, Zelensky opening the jails for the cr- criminals and hoping that they would handing them guns and hoping they would use them wisely. Uh, good luck with that. Um, the, uh, the fact that you get a, it's a death sentence to be in favor of peace in Ukraine. All of the top political figures who support peace are all under arrest and probably being tortured. Uh, uh, the videos of atrocities, there are just thousands and thousands because the Ukrainians who hate Russians with a passion are br- proud of torturing and murdering uh, Russians and Russian-speaking Ukrainians. I mean, the 35% of Ukrainians who speak Russian are the subject of, of an ongoing genocide since 2014, since NATO put its Nazis in power in that coup. And and so the, the truth of this is is really obvious to anybody who's paying attention. And here is a reporter who's actually there who's uh, reporting the facts on the ground and, and in a very lively and readable way. So so this is a, a terrific article, by far the best thing I've seen yet from Ukraine. Um, yeah, it was good. I'm really excited to hear you're going to be interviewing him, Kevin. But um, people forget that all war everywhere is ugly. This is how it looks. There's not anything new or novel or different happening in this war. But what's truly outrageous and racist is that over 400,000 people have died in the war in Yemen, and it's barely on the radar. Meanwhile, here in the Ukraine, 
a mere 2,000 people have died in comparison, and they're making it sound like the Holocaust. Um, and it's all about this propaganda, which we'll get into more. But um, I liked how we talked about in Warsaw that it's plastered with blue and yellow flags everywhere. It's almost like overnight, it just pops up like mushrooms. It's like the We Are Shirley Hebdo uh, things. I was just going to say that and the COVID messaging that's everywhere. It's like this full court press propaganda that has to take place. So I appreciated his uh, explaining how the flags are just everywhere. And I have even looked at just see the subtleties. There's the gross propaganda, but then how they insinuate it into stories that don't even necessarily have to do with the propaganda in question. For example, when I was looking up the statistics for um Yemen versus um, Ukraine, I went to a straight up business statistics site and it had Ukraine all over. How many have died? Here's the statistics for Ukraine. It was even on the global navigation, Ukraine. And then when I went to Yemen, it had all kinds of statistics, but not a single war statistic about Yemen. It was solely business or where they're located or how many people there are. It was just um, appalling that everywhere, it's like the orders from on high say, Figure out how you can put it in the fabric of your story, however you can, that Russia bad, U.S. good, um, and uh, it just proliferate the, 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 the occupation of our mental terrain. And one of the interesting things about this reporting from Ukraine is that in Ukrainian cities, uh, life goes on as normal. The Russians didn't take out the Internet, didn't take out the electricity, the water systems, the sewage like the U.S. does whenever it moves in. And everybody's going about their lives normally. Uh, There are explosions now and then. Those explosions are the Russians surgically hitting military targets because that's what they do, unlike NATO, which deliberately targets civilians and journalists and on and on and on and on and on. Uh, and, and this isn't just this guy saying that. It's also, uh, like what I just heard this from, there's an exchange, an Ukrainian exchange student who's staying with some people in Madison that my family knows. Um, my wife recently talked to her. She said, Oh, your poor family. And she's, Oh, my family's doing fine. Everything's fine. Yeah. There are explosions now and then off in the distance where military targets get hit, but the whole city of Kiev is in perfectly good shape. Everybody's eating and happy and on the internet. Yeah. 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 They're a little worried, but, uh, everything's cool. Don't worry. So. Yeah, it's like the the whole Western narrative is just the most disgusting pile of reeking BS that ever has been deposited on the heads of the American people. So here we are at the next story, uh, the mass surrender. So here's Russia claims, well, it's pretty well documented. Look at all the pictures of the mass surrender of this Ukrainian uh, Marine Brigade. And then the sinking of the Moskva, which we'll get into in a bit, uh, and these attacks on uh, helicopter attacks on Russian border villages appear to be a response. So they're trying to boost the Ukrainian morale after this devastation of uh, thousands of Ukrainian soldiers surrendering. Well, I really appreciated the surrendering soldiers confirming that it's the Ukrainians who are targeting and murdering ethnic Russians or Ukrainians suspected of having Russian sympathies. Um, and it's, it's just ridiculous how once it became evident um, that uh, that Russia was winning the war, the narrative went from Russia is weak to Russia is a war criminal. So now instead of all the glorious look at how Ukraine's, Ukrainians are winning this and all of their uh, uh, victories, now it's like... Um, how uh, barbaric are the Russians? When when you actually lift up the co- covers and um, we see some um, press from actual people, 
it's quite, it's Orwellian opposite, 180 degrees opposite. Yeah, and the next story confirms what you just said, uh, that Ukrainian military defectors, that is the ones who don't like being ordered to murder civilians by the Nazi Azov Brigade people who were embedded in all of the battalions of the normal Ukrainian military and calling the shots, and they have a gun at your back if you're in the Ukrainian military, and if you don't do what they say, such as murdering civilians for the crime of speaking Russian or having Russian ancestry, uh, that or you know murdering POWs by blowing their joints off, uh, killing them slowly, uh, things like that. If you don't do that, then they kill you too. You know, if you don't, if you're not part of the witch hunt against the ethnic Russians, then you're a witch. And so this report from the Blackstone Intel Group. Uh, got into that with these guys who managed to escape from the Ukrainian army and tell the tale. Uh, so yeah, the, the, the atrocity uh, meter is probably running at least 10 to one. Pro- virtually all of deliberate atrocities seem to be committed by the Ukrainian side, by these Azov Nazi types who were trained by the CIA, created by the CIA after World War II in similar ways that the CIA created ISIS. I mean, this, this, this is basically Ukrainian ISIS, isn't it, Ken? Exactly. That, that was my uh, whole point as well. Uh, Ukrainian ISIS, uh, Redux, all over again, the same kind of playbook. Okay. Uh, well, next slide. Uh, Lavrov says that he, they have documents proving Ukraine was preparing to use biological weapons, but we haven't seen those documents yet. So show them, Sergei. <laughs> well, the Chinese foreign ministry um, put out a public statement that the U.S. has 336 labs in 30 countries under its control, including 26 labs um, of bioweaponry in the Ukraine alone. So let's remember how the media mocked anyone who said there were bioweapon labs in the Ukraine and then Victoria Nuland uh, spilled the beans just so they could get head of the story, uh, probably to deflect or uh, in, somehow twist when it came out about the bioweaponry labs, um, or worse, to use it as evidence of the false flag in the U.S. is making. But let's also remember Hunter Biden's involvement, he helped secure millions in funding from companies like Goldman Sachs for Metabiata, a U.S. Defense Department contractor. And um, it was for U.S. military bioweapons research program in the Ukraine. And he also was involved with that corrupt Ukrainian gas firm, Burmissa. And what was that all about? It was a science project involving high biosecurity level labs in the Ukraine. So Hunter Biden is all over this, which means his dad was too. So not only trying to push nukes right up to the Russian border in Ukraine, but also bioweapons. In fact, they're already there. Uh, and now there are war games happening on Russia's border too. Uh, well, that's a great idea. Uh, right in the middle of this war that's being directed by American officers in Ukraine, it's all about uh, conquering Ukraine and putting neo-Nazis in charge so you can put uh, U.S. first strike nuclear weapons right there on Russia's border. Let's hold some war games uh, to provoke them even further. I mean, these, are these people begging for World War Three or what? Um, well, it just proves Putin's this point. This is happening in Estonia, by the way. Yeah, yeah it, um, it just proves Putin's point of why he has to be offensively defensive. And... Um, so they're doing these training exercises, but isn't it a little late to be doing training? Maybe instead of, uh, well, it serves two purposes. It can um, antagonize Russia, but at the same time, uh, they really aren't ready for war. Russia clearly has military might, and they're probably actually trying to hurry up at last minute, uh, do like a pull an all-nighter and uh, get in, get, get shape for the game. Okay. Well, our next slide is uh, this story about Kaliningrad. 
uh, which is that port sort of, you know, sandwiched uh, in, in between the, the Baltic states and uh, Germany, and it used to be part of Prussia. Uh, this was a very interesting background article, uh, one of the best ones. I think, did, did Alan provide this one? Maybe you did, Kat. I don't know. I, I didn't pick this article, but it was quite uh, interesting. I hadn't known that uh, the philosopher Immanuel Kant uh, had uh, lived there. And then when the Russians took it over for four years, he swore allegiance to the Russian Empress Elizabeth and then refused to renounce his allegiance to Russia, even after Prussia reconquered Kaliningrad. That was a little bit of uh, history and philosophy that I didn't remember from school. That's true. The article did have some very interesting history that Kaliningrad um, used to be called Konigsberg, and it was the site of the uh, Prussian-German um, Empire. Um, so there's very interesting uh, German roots there. Um, but I don't believe that either side will ultimately use the nukes because I think they both sides have too much to gain by uh, the extraordinary wealth and power they're going to get creating the Great Reset. The goal is to build everything back better, not destroy it to kingdom come and have nothing left. Okay, well, there could be an escalation around the sinking of the Moskva. This was uh, a an older uh, flagship missile cruiser that may have represented as much as 10% of Russia's Black Sea firepower, uh, not really relevant in the current war unless NATO gets directly involved. And the cause is still unknown of why the ship was damaged and then sank while it was tow being towed to port. But it does seem that this was probably done by the usual suspects, that is NATO. And if it turns out that it was done directly by NATO, there will be consequences and, and we'll be seeing some serious escalation. So it's uh, it was probably done to try to distract from the mass surrenders, which had been undermining Ukrainian morale. And so this is a supposedly probably intended as a morale builder for the Ukrainian side. Um, well, I also had just a quick first hunch. It reminded me of Pearl Harbor, where Roosevelt put all of his uh, mothballed ships in Pearl Harbor and took out the best um, uh, fleet and uh, far out into the Pacific. So they were sort of like uh, uh, sitting ducks so that it could uh, cause some kind of war. I don't know what is happening here, what they were trying to do, but it's like, um, why would you place your mothball or your old ship right there? But in any event, um, they can't, the mainstream news can't even get a photo straight. I don't know if you noticed farther down, there was um, a picture with the caption, a Russian sailor salutes on the bow of the missile cruiser. And yet the ship, the saluting sailor is said to be on, um, is clearly waving the British flag. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's completely insane. They're, they're using, you know, all these heroic Ukrainian victories are all coming out of video games and things like that. I, it's it's just bizarre. Uh, it's like they, they're really laughing at us or gaslighting us. Well, uh, next story. Uh, how about the Kiev Independent? This is from Mint Press, and it's the best uh, deep dive story of the week on propaganda apparatus. It turns out that the so-called Kiev Independent, which you can't miss on CNN, Fox, MSNBC, ABC, CBS, and on and on and on, turns out it's just it's kind of like the Syria Human Rights Observatory, which was really just one MI6 asset in his basement making stuff up about Syria. Uh, but this, they have a bunch of guys in their basements here, but they're all spooks. These aren't journalists. Every one of them has a spook background. They're all Western intelligence. And they're posing as journalists, and the journalistic establishment is helping them get away with it. It's disgusting. 
Right. And now it's not just the CIA. It's uh, the National Endowment for Democracy, a straight up CIA. That is CIA. <laughs> yeah, straight up CIA. And it's owned by Carl Gershman and Alan Weinstein, who quoted in uh, The Washington Post, a lot of what we do today was done covertly 25 years ago by the CIA. So they're very active in Venezuela, Cuba, uh, Belarus and Hong Kong. But Ukraine is their top priority. They've spent over $22 million in Ukraine uh, to support supposed democracy. Meanwhile, this uh, or this uh, newspaper have been like cheerleaders for the government fire sale of state-owned assets to domestic and foreign billionaires and have helped make Ukraine the poorest country in Europe by promoting these, quote, reforms as a promising place for international business. So let's not forget uh, two of the billionaires that... Uh, heeded the call. One was Pierre Omidar, owner of Intercept. Um, he co-funded the 2014 coup d'etat. And then, of course, we've got George Soros, a billionaire who bankrolled the original color revolution in Ukraine back in 2004, um, calling it the Orange Revolution. That's right. And so this fake journalism run by intelligence services, it isn't just the Ukraine or Kiev independent, but it's everywhere. I mean, I think Operation Mockingbird must have really clamped down its grip on the American media. I mean, just look at these insane propaganda stories. Uh, next one, uh, nine women and girls in Bucha pregnant after systematic rape by Russian troops. This really is like the, the Belgian rape stories of World War One. I. I mean, and if you read this, the purple prose is so extreme. If this doesn't set off your BS detector, get new batteries. Uh, fully agree. Not too much more you can say. It's just straight up Orwellian propaganda. Uh, next story, uh, the Mariupol mayor claims that 31,000 residents have been deported uh, for Russian filtration camps. Uh, and in, in this article, I have a picture of Mariana Vishigirskaya, who debunked the maternity hospital false flag. She's the actress who we first thought was like a crisis actress in the maternity hospital false flag. It turns out she was actually really pregnant. And she described uh, what really happened there, which was a total setup. It was shelled by the Ukrainians. It wasn't bombed by the Russians. And anyway, but there's her picture in this article, and they don't even mention that. They're still running with the bullshit story of the supposed uh, Russian bombing of, of the maternity hospital. Uh, and so this this whole story, what's really going on here is that the, as the Russians are coming into these cities and, and areas that are were being defended by the Azov Nazis, they're checking people out and trying to catch the Nazis. And yeah, the Nazis are, are definitely going to get deported to prison somewhere, but the rest are allowed to go. And the person they interviewed here, uh, I think, or no, maybe that was our next story, actually. Yeah, let's move to the next story, because it's basically the same story. Uh, oh, they're sending the Ukrainians to Siberia and the Arctic Circle. Well, the person who's being supposedly sent to the Siberian Arctic Circle actually is in Europe. And she describes uh, the worst that happened was that as she was processed by the Russians, uh, she's the civilian who's leaving the war zone. She gets processed by the Russians. They, they interrogated her. He said being interrogated was degrading. And then she, quote unquote, escaped to Europe, meaning the Russians just let her go and she went to Europe. Um, so this is total BS. But, yeah, the Russians are actually interrogating and checking people out and trying to catch the Azov type Nazis. And God bless the Russians for doing that. 
yeah, if anybody can be um, hold accountable for having a responsible invasion, it's the Russians, especially after years of calling for diplomatic solutions. They finally were forced to um, invade Ukraine to stop all the shenanigans. And just as an example of their humane war, um, I've been reading um, some of their uh, telegram groups on that telegram channel. Uh, they're in Russian, so I use Google Translate, but telling the civilians ahead of time to leave because they're going to be bombing the next day, the factory factories and other military industrial enterprises. And also when they get captives, instead of just shooting the wounded dead, they've been taking them to hospitals. So bravo, uh, Russians deserve um, uh, awards for abiding by the Geneva Conventions. Okay. And how about the crematoria in Mariupol? This is the new Auschwitz, uh, says Fox News. Um, you can't make this stuff up. Uh, so they're claiming that 5,000 civilians have been killed in Mariupol, although the UN says that it's only 1,000 something in all of Ukraine since this war began. Uh, but, uh, whatever, whoever's being killed in Mariupol, they're human shields. I mean, because the Russians opened the humanitarian corridors, anybody who wanted to leave was encouraged to leave. If you're a civilian, get the heck out. And some of them couldn't get out because they were murdered or bullied or harassed or tortured by the Azov Brigade folks uh, because they need their human shields to stay there. That's the real story here. And it sure isn't being told by Fox News. Right. Um, one of the liabilities of this war is making everything so extremely simplistic. It's very binary. Russia bad, West good. And so, of course, it's reduced to the canards um, dating back to World War II that have to do with Nazis. Nobody's getting any kind of um, sophisticated um, ed education as to who these Nazis are. Um, yes, there's some lineage from World War II, but the whole Nazis, just like um, ISIS, is um, it, it's all Operation Paperclip. There is that, but it's it's completely being uh, warped in ways that people don't understand. Um, and now we have a whole new um, area of investigation that has been opened up, having to do with the Kazarian Mafia, because um, people are talking about um, the Ukraine becoming. Uh, sort of like the new Israel, where the pale of settlement is. What do they want? Their new pale stein. But people are talking <laughs> about Kazaria now, who don't know anything about it, and are overlaying that on this story without any kind of um, um, interpretive um, education being uh, going along with it. Mm -hmm. And, of course, the historical dimension to this is that the Kievan Rus Christians did uh, defeat the Khazar Jewish Empire uh, a thousand years ago. And there may be some ethnic uh, blood sentiments still at play on either or both sides. Uh, but in any case, uh, comparing this to Auschwitz uh, is actually kind of humorous in a way. Um, any, uh, next slide. The Washington Post has its contributor arrested in Moscow after criticizing Putin. Um, this is, uh, what's that guy's name? Um, he, he, he was... Supposedly, the Washington Post tells us that he survived two poisonings in 2015 and 2017 that were supposedly Kremlin retaliation uh, for his advocacy of Western sanctions against the Russian government. You know, the Russians, they seem to poison an awful lot of people who almost always seem to recover. They're really lousy poisoners, aren't they, Kat? Uh, uh, well, this whole story is pretty absurd when you compare 
that to what we're doing. If Putin had put 700 citizens like the January 6th prisoners who've been languishing in jail for over a year for minor infractions, if he had done that same thing, it would be a never ending story in the mainstream media um, and a main priority for human rights organizations. So, um, yes, we're all opposed to this war, but this dissident doesn't put anything in context that 4 million Russian identified people in East Ukraine for the last eight years have been the subject of a war with 14,000 having already been killed. So yes, oppose war, but let's put it in context. And of course they don't give the backstory for that as they promote this so-called dissident. And they lump him with so-called opposition figures like Navalny. And of course, Navalny is a complete flake, CIA stooge, genocidal anti-Muslim lunatic. Uh, and his only base is uh, the stupid teeny bopper crowd that they're able to convince to sort of worship him on uh, Instagram or whatever it is. Uh, so the the whole Russian, the, the idea that the Russians are rising up against Putin, blah, 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 it's, it's nonsense. The polls show it's over. He's got over 80 percent popularity. His popularity soared with this war. And now they're doubling down as they can see that the West has gone insane, that the Western propaganda is insane and, and, and genocidal against Russia. And so the Russians are, are actually more supportive of Putin than ever. And these kinds of stories attempt to obscure that. So the, uh, here in the West, uh, dissidents for the most part are still alive. And I mean, I, I did have some indigestion, uh, a couple of years ago that may have been poisoning. Uh, perhaps I was poisoned by the, by Joe Biden or Trump or whoever it was. <laughs> but, but no, we're still, we're still here and broadcasting on false flag weekly news and being censored and booted off of YouTube and booted off of social media and, uh, and, and shadow banned and so on and so forth. But, uh, it's, it's, it's getting worse all the time. The EU now is barring by force of law, uh, any, uh, internet outlet from airing content from RT and Sputnik. So technically, if we post something here at Pulse Flag Weekly News from the origin of RT and Sputnik, we could be arrested next time we go to Europe and end up sharing a cell with uh, a World War II revisionist or something. So Europe is really not quite the free world that it used to be, is it? No. Um, everywhere the liberal left is um, censoring left and right. It's their only tool. Um, and it used to be uh, there used to be somewhat logic to it, censoring hate speech because that can do harm. Um, and then it went, as uh, Glenn Greenwald explains, it went from hate speech to shutting down speech if it includes disinformation. So that can be dangerous. But now they're just outright blatant about it. They're censoring speech that doesn't agree with their worldview, regardless of whether their worldview is truthful or not. So it's, it's shutting down speech that foils their agenda in, in classic Orwellian ways. And now it's like free speech is bad because it's viewed as an instrument of repression by people they disagree with. And censorship is good because it helps democracy survive. Um, there's an organization called Fairness and Accuracy in Reporting, which is the premier liberal left media watchdog. So I went there to see what are they saying about this uh, propaganda and censorship. There was not a single article on their front page critiquing media coverage of Ukraine. And one of their main stories there is that there's plenty of evidence to arrest Trump. It's just ludicrous. Yeah. 
And uh, Glenn Greenwald also points out that all of the worst of the neocons, David from Bill Crystal, Liz Cheney, Wesley Clark, Ann Applebaum, Adam Kinzinger, are being celebrated as wise experts and heroic warriors for freedom. These are the people that did 9-11. Uh, these are the people that got us into the 9-11 wars, which turned out to be utter disasters, uh, horrific loss in Iraq and Afghanistan, and the horrific losses of millions and millions of innocent victims. These people did it. They and they they haven't not only have they gotten away with nine eleven and those nine eleven wars, but now they're leading the charge into Ukraine. I mean, this is really a war between the neocons and Russia. And uh, I'm all I'm I'm at war. I'm cheering for Russia. Uh, Me too. Go Russia. Go Russia. Get those neocons. Bring some hyperbaric weapon. We're not allowed to wish for any bad things for anybody, not even neocons. So we'll move on to Elon Musk, who does support free speech, unlike certain oligarchs. Uh, to some extent, at least, he's bidding $43 billion to buy Twitter outright. Uh, he, did, he made this offer on April 1st, but it wasn't an April Fool's joke. Kat, is, is Elon Musk going to single-handedly save free speech on Twitter? Um, well, he's trying to do a good job of it. Um, I don't know whether to totally trust him. He is a billionaire, but um, they're going to make it really hard for him. A Saudi prince has already rejected the offer, and now they're going about this whole anti-democratic route of not – um, allowing their stockholders to decide if they want to take the offer or not. So um, it, it's really kind of crazy what they're doing to uh, thwart the takeover. Um, but, you know, it's okay for Bill Gates to dictate public health, but heaven forbid a billionaire take back control of free speech. But do we really, you know, trust him as a billionaire? I mean, I'm really, really glad somebody's trying to take control of um, uh, Twitter, but uh, Elon Musk opposed AI initially, and now he's got Neuralink and this dangerous AI into your brain uh, thing, technology. And then he was a World Economic Forum young global leader. Um, he's an alumni of that. And then he has all those 5G satellites saturating our skies. So um, maybe he would stay true to uh, the task of uh, taking it over. But um the, the liberals can't even allow that. Um, when Bezos bought the Washington Post in 2013, the Business Insider thought it was like a fascinating cultural transition. But now that same Business Insider um, publication is saying Musk's hostile takeover is seen as, quote, a chilling new threat of a billionaire troll taking over social media. So, you know, if it's not their way, then it's the highway. A chilling new threat of some a little bit more free speech on Twitter. Oh, my God. Uh, and speaking of chilling new threats, how about this Holocaust law in Canada? Canada may join some of these European countries where you go straight to prison if you doubt the official story of what happened in the concentration camps in World War II. Yeah, we know there were concentration camps, but let's face it, there is a lively debate over what really happened there. But you're not going to be able to hold up that debate in Canada anymore without going to prison. It's pretty insane. And speaking of insane, this article is insane, too. They uh, talk, you know, ranting about the aggressive conquering religion of our newcomers, Islam. What the heck? What's this random dig at Islam doing in your article about the Holocaust? I mean, so many people on, on this populist right are such Islamophobic morons. I mean, they're almost as dumb, uh, in some, some ways dumber than the liberal idiots who are consuming mainstream media. Um, well, I'd like to give some background. Um, this law would be based on the IHRA definition of anti-Semitism. That is the International Holocaust Remembrance Alliance. And they have 11 highly detailed bullets saying all the ways that you can't be critical of not just the Holocaust in Israel, 
but Jews themselves individually or, or collectively. No Jew has ever done anything wrong. Right. In their 11 detailed bullets, which the UN has signed off on and numerous countries, um, one of the things is you can't talk about Jews, quote, controlling the media, economy, government, or other social institutions. It, it, it's so, so they've, re, they've rewritten The Merchant of Venice now. And so yeah. Shylock, uh, being a sweetheart, uh, actually says that, well, if you can't pay me back that loan, I'll, I'll offer you a pound of uh, really high quality flesh so that you won't starve. Um, it, it's pretty insidious. And it's really important to know that in the U.S., Canada is now the 20th state to endorse or ratify the IHRA definitions, either through passage of laws or government proclamations. And I was researching this in January, uh, a mere three months ago, and it was only 10 states that had endorsed or ratified the IHRA definitions. Now we're up to 20 states. The next step like Canada, is to criminalize such speech about Jews, just like how 33 U.S. states now actually have laws on the books to punish people who are active in the BDS movement to boycott, divest, and um, have sanctions against Israel. So it's creeping totalitarianism from um, uh, Jewish, uh, rabid Jewish uh, ideologues. And, and obviously, even uh, you know, after they ban all criticism of Jews, people like the author of this article will continue to be able to say, oh, call Islam, Islam an aggressive conquering religion and things like that. They'll be able to insult Islam and Muslims all they want. Uh, and Christians, too, will continue to be mocked often by Jews. So it's it's all kind of one way, uh, it seems like. So that, I suppose, tells us what we need to know about who's really in charge. Uh, so moving on to COVID, one of our favorite topics here and the only topic for two years until Russia suddenly raised its ugly head. Uh, China has the zero COVID policy, uh, terrible lockdowns. And here's a need to know news article with a snippet of video claiming mass suicides and the culling of pets. Although I, I did watch the video. There were no suicides in the video. Fortunately, I, I didn't want to see any and I didn't because there weren't any. Uh, so there are 45 cities that have implemented full or partial lockdowns affecting a quarter of the country's overall population, according to this article, which I'm actually a little skeptical of. Uh, and they claim there are dogs and cats being rounded up, um, despite dogs and cats not vectoring COVID. But for a different view on this, look at Matt Eretz thing here on, on the right. Uh, he did a, an interview, I guess, on biowarfare politics, pointing out that if you recognize that China knows that it is under ethnic specific biowar attack from the neocons uh and the you know the the, the usual suspects that their paranoia uh, may not seem quite so crazy um well there is that but also i totally believe this article because i've seen a lot of other videos um, actually, there was an, uh, a link to a video embedded in this very article. Um, China was the worldwide model for lockdowns 1.0, and it's looking like they're going to be the model for lockdowns 2.0. We're really being Shanghai. This city of 25 million is the perfect site for big data testing. And so I think what they're doing is because China and Russia are just as much involved in the whole World Economic Forum Global Coup d'Etat as the West is, as much as I support uh, Russia um, in uh, this current war, Putin is just as much part of World Economic Forum. And so after two years of um, um, it, it, lockdowns, now they're amping it up to see at what point 
how much can humanity take before people start rebelling or suiciding? I saw multiple suicides of people jumping out the window and people uh, hanging themselves. Um, the government is learning at what point um, do they have to back down? They're trying to take children away and people really rose up for that. So will lockdown 3.0 after they study all the big data from uh, Shanghai result in normalizing taking children away? Um, this isn't necessarily about um, China is uh, the mad and evil. China is just the, the um, uh, test case for the globalist uh, coup d'etat. Yeah, I, I don't fully share that interpretation. I actually agree more with Matt Arrett. We had a whole radio show recently about this, and he argued persuasively, I thought, that this notion that Putin and, and the Chinese uh, leadership is all part of the same World Economic Forum conspiracy is actually wrong. Um, but that's a long story. Maybe you could come on and talk with Matt sometime, and we can continue that conversation. But moving on to more COVID dystopia news, uh, churches are now taking federal grant money to promote the experimental COVID injections, which are looking more and more dangerous and ineffective as, as the data comes in. So if you're a church, we, I actually do, I'm involved with a nonprofit that is legally defined as a church. Uh, I could get $10 for every person to person outreach, uh, trying to supposedly convince people to get vaccinated. What if I filed for that and got took $10 to do outreach and told them the truth about the experimental injections. I wonder how long I could get away with that. Um, well, this is all part of the Great Reset, um, which literally called for tapping the, quote, trusted institutions like education, health, or faith, faith-based organizations to be the tip of the spear um, to really go door-to-door um, -to, -door to the public in a real grassrootsy way. It's about financing more and more breaking down of societies and families. So um, they're, they're getting at the very granular level for chump change, no less, being able to finance it. Um, we do have to applaud, though, one religious community for their resistance, and that's the various sects of Orthodox Jews. Hey, here, here, Orthodox Jews. You know, Jews do lots of great things, and there are lots of wonderful things about Jewish culture, and we forget to say that here on False Flight Weekly News, so, mm, Jews, we love you. All right. <clears throat> and I know some other folks watching this are going to start throwing rotten fruit if I continue, so let's move on to the Chinese, back to Bing Liu, the Chinese-born professor who apparently uh, got suicided or murder-suicided. Um, right after he made a huge COVID breakthrough, possibly discovering something about the origins of COVID. But of course, we're being told uh, he was killed by a jealous husband. Nothing to see here, folks. Um, well, that's a 2020 story. Uh, and I was surprised that you brought it up. It really feeds into the next article um, because we never know uh, why. Snake venom. Yeah. Well, okay, let's, let's move on to snake venom. <laughs> yeah, let's go to the snake oh, no, venom. No, not snake venom. <laughs> not the right, coffee I mean, chair, not the snake venom. Snake oil, uh, yeah. it, it, from this the get-go. snake oil cat. Yeah, I, I never really believed it from from the get-go, but um, he did uh, point to, uh, elusively, he um, pointed to uh, Bing Lu, the Chinese professor that was murdered, I guess, implying that he was working on uh, the, the snake venom theory. Um, I, I, I don't think that this doctor who actually was um, interviewed by um, Reiner Fulmick, um, it's not like he's a grifter with no intent. He actually um, has done some imaginative um, investigation. But the problem was he he just wasn't very okay. self-getting. I think he was angling to be a player, get publicity. Um, Children's Health Defense um, 
basically separated the wheat from the chaff for us um, because with remdesivir, which he is an expert on, um, he was spot on. But the technical flaws in his argument are snake venom are just in uh, he, these are, are um, insupportable. And he then started backing away from the whole uh, this it's in the water. Well, you know, he was the one who his whole video, you see it right here, watch the water. So I think he was trying to, uh, to pull uh, some kind of P.T. Barnum thing, uh, just, you know, shout out. Uh, it, 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 it's like a snake oil salesman. It's really unfortunate. Yeah, well, yeah the, the demeanor. Uh, and, you know, I, I know some people like Stu Peters, but please, I mean, the, just the demeanor of both Stu and this doctor, it's like it's just so obvious that you're you're watching classic snake oil salesman here. Uh, and, I mean, this is obviously Cass Sunstein you know, Cass Sunstein said we've got to stop the conspiracy theorists by uh, in infiltrating the conspiracy movements and uh, disabling the purveyors of conspiracy theories. And what's more disabling than idiotic theories like uh, snake venom in the water? I mean, this is completely insane. Uh, anyway, moving on to culture wars and Trump wars, um, the political prisoner situation is, has, is terrible. As you said, Kat, there are, what, 600 or something political prisoners around the Capitol protest. But over in Michigan, some of these political prisoners who had gotten railroaded by FBI snake oil salesmen into saying stupid things in furtherance of the FBI plan to kidnap Governor Gretchen Whitmer uh, had their day in court. And basically, they've all walked because the FBI uh, did the whole thing. And this is just more proof, Kat, that the FBI is really the only major terrorist group in the United States. Exactly. And what next ne uh, needs to happen is that it's been discovered there were over 20 FBI agents involved in the supposed in insurrection on January 6th. We have to uh, finger them as well as the head of Detroit's FBI field office in charge of the fake uh, Whitmer kidnapping. His name is Stephen D'Antonio. And uh, he got promoted to be head of the D.C. field office um, for the FBI after he ran this whole thing in Michigan. When are they going to uh, fire him? So apparently they got tired of infiltrating mosques in order to convince retarded Muslim teenagers to say stupid things that the FBI informant suggests that they say. And now they're doing this to the uh, so-called right-wing extremists. And so there you go. Um, well, speaking of bad government policy uh, and political prisoners, how about this protester, Felicia Conold, who was arrested for being a proud boy, although she doesn't look like a boy to me. But these days, I guess you're not allowed to tell the difference. Anyway, <laughs> she's facing up to 30 years in prison, this new mother. I guess she wouldn't spend much time with her, her kid, if that's the case. Uh, for the crime of marching at the Stop the Steal protest. I mean, didn't she, she didn't do anything. She wasn't involved in like attacking police or anything like that. She was just there, maybe walked into the Capitol and they want to throw her in prison for 30 years. That sounds pretty extreme. Right. And that's what most people there did who are in jail right now. And the ones who didn't do that are the FBI agents. But this um, it just shows exactly what this government is about with this pernicious attack on people's homes. Um, all the people who were at January, well, I can't say all, but so many of the people at January 6th and um, the people in this freedom movement are very family oriented. Families are a core value. So to snatch away a mother's newborn child is just utterly egregious, only on par with how the FBI um, wired 
a uh, father, uh, wired the son of a uh, man who was at um, January 6th in order to uh, use the son's testimony in court. I mean, have they no shame? It's getting more and more Bolshevik every day. Mm-hmm. And, and I hope that the conservatives who are outraged about this will also think back to when it was being done to Muslims uh, before uh, 2020 and realize it's really the same thing. I mean, we're all human beings and we're all being targeted by these insane uh, FBI people being directed from on high by these uh, criminals who are really the ones who should be locked up. Uh, speaking of, of people who maybe should be locked up, I don't know, but these BLM grifters who are buying multi-million dollar mansions by uh, guilt-tripping people about racism, and of course that's going to cause a backlash that ordinary African-American people are probably going to have to suffer from. I mean, these people seem to be borderline uh, prison material too. Oh my God, the whole BLM grift is based on victimology and reparations. Those strategies come straight out of the Jewish playbook um, and Frankfurt uh, School politics. Um, and They, the Jews, have had centuries to fine-tune the art of separating people from their money, but blacks are amateur at it, hence the brazen, uh, bald fumblings. They can't seem to get it together. And besides, they were given a green light to do their shakedown. They were allowed. Um, Asset managers like uh, BlackRock uh, gave corporations the marching orders to bow down before Black Lives Matter. All of this is documented that um, if you want to be part, to continue to be part of U.S. business, you have to go woke. Um, the video of this, the BLM elite, there's three women in this video. It's like straight out of the final scene from Animal Farm, where some animals are more equal than others. It's just a, a shocking uh, display of tone deafness, where they're sitting around in their $6 million house at an elegant brunch with champagne, toasting each other, celebrating um, the one-year anniversary of George uh, Floyd's death. Just utterly tone deaf. And they're going to be thrown by the wayside um, once um, the the real powers come to fore after they've used um, black people as the tip of their spear. Yeah, raising the champagne glasses and, and toasting. Uh, here, here's to you, George. <laughs> you know, uh, Oh, man. So uh, the next uh, story here in the Black Lives uh, category is the subway shooter coverage of the New York Times versus the New York Post. This was Paul. This is Steve Saylor. And, you know, frankly, Kat, uh, a lot of the stuff from Steve Saylor and some of the other race obsessed uh, white boys at UNS doesn't really uh, rub me the right way. It, it seems like they really pick on black people by cherry picking any bad thing they can find that was ever done by a black person. But still they have a point here. Steve does in this particular article about uh, Frank James being described in the New York Times as a heavy set, dark skinned man. They won't call him uh, a black person, whereas the New York Post is like totally shameless. Uh, so I guess it tells you something about the two set editorial teams and I guess the two audiences. Um, Kevin, I think you're actually mistaken. I think that if you actually knew the true statistics of black on white crime, you would think that um, people like Steve Saylor are being measured. Um, it's unbelievable. Um, the book uh, White Girl Bleed has story after story of, uh, of black on white crime that is uh, not just in numbers startling, but in um, the gruesomeness of the group gang um uh, torturing and um, uh, killing of white people. I, I was surprised. Well, wait, wait, wait a minute, Kat. The, the, the problem with that kind of description and what we see at, at from these people at the UNS Review 
is that they're making it sound like uh, like black criminals are deliberately picking on white people disproportionately, when in fact the opposite is the case. It's actually black people who are suffering the most from the black crime. To proportionately, black people are more likely to be victimized by black crime than white people are. So it's not a racial thing. It's just a black crime problem in general, and the main victims are black people, not white people. So you white racists should shut up or at least be measured in the way you talk about it. I think they are measured if you knew the true statistics. But in any event, I do know the statistics. Uh, like I said, the black people suffer from this crime worse than the white people do. Uh, yeah, but right yeah, now but in this extreme anti-white environment, um, I think it needs to be spoken more about um, how how it's taking place. But yeah, black on black crime is is. It is worse than black. And that's what Black Lives Matters should perhaps focus more on, huh? If they really cared about black lives, would be they worried right. more about the crime. But yeah. what we never hear about also is black on white crime that is also quite pernicious and people don't know the extent of it. But in any event, back to this story, um, it's just a typical example of the mainstream media not being able to even say the race of the guy. And, and, and heaven forbid they say that he did uh, had black supremacist rants. You can't say that. They couldn't even say he's black. They had to say he has dark skin. And Coulter pointed out the danger of not uh, failing to give out the race of him just for the basic description so that you can find the guy. Um, the, the press has supported this more than anything else. And I am not in any way... Um, uh, a white nationalist, but I, I really do believe, Kevin, that there are, um, the story is very under, uh, reported the degree that white people are being killed by black people. Hmm. Well, I guess the New York Times is going to have to pull out their thesaurus and come up with more euphemisms like swarthy, things like that. But moving on, are we allowed to talk about Jew on Arab crime? Because that's what's been happening at the Al-Aqsa Mosque, the greatest, uh, Islamic architectural and oldest Islamic architectural monument, which the Zionists want to blow up so they can rebuild so-called uh, a blood sacrifice temple. And so here they are uh, attacking the worshipers during Ramadan as part of this long-term campaign to try to destroy Al-Aqsa, uh, shooting tear gas and stun grenades. When the Palestinians respond by defending themselves by throwing stones, then they break out the live fire. Uh, so more than 150 Palestinians were wounded, uh, mostly by live fire. And this is right in the middle of the holy month of Ramadan. So are, are we allowed to mention uh, Jew on Arab crime? I don't think we're going to read much about that in the New York Times. Oh, that's for sure. Um, and especially while the West was busy with their concocted Ukraine war, Israel takes the opportunity for more of their thuggery because hours earlier they were bombing Damascus. They've been bombing Damascus quite, or Syria quite regularly now. Um, and, um, this precedent, um, happened also during the whole Vietnam war when, um, Israel was unmonitored. And while the war, Vietnam war was going on, they were stealing massive amounts of Palestinian land. So when are we going to start imposing sanctions, not on Russia, but on Israel? Okay, well, speaking of uh, psychopaths, which is another word for Zionists, uh, how about the Bitcoin psychopaths? This idiotic article tells us that some Bitcoin enthusiasts are uh, psychopaths, uh, narcissists, Machiavellians, uh, sadistic people, blah, blah, blah. But others aren't, and they don't give us any statistics to even show that it's dis disproportionate. So talk about a stupid article. Um, that was almost as stupid as the last article, which is my own article, about Zelensky and Hunter Biden announcing their Donbass wedding and Black Sea honeymoon. So if you mm -hmm. want stupid articles, at least read a funny one, which is mine, not the mm -hmm. one claiming that Bitcoin fans are psychopaths. 
Well, I think some people might see that you are um, praising them. I can just see some of these uh, uh, adult young people looking up to Hunter and Zelensky now. So <laughs> maybe <laughs> right, we right. better Take not get ideas, Kevin. Yeah. Yeah, in an exclusive interview for next month's edition of Scumbag Magazine, Biden explained the pair was brought together by their shared love of cocaine, sexual deviance, and filthy lucre. And yeah, 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 I love it. Uh, I can't, can't wait to buy that next Scumbag Magazine. Okay, anyway, uh, here we are in a world where you can't tell the difference between satire and reality anymore, but we'll keep trying. Hey, thank you so much, Kat McGuire. Always fun doing the show with you. Okay, great, Kevin. See ya. Okay, <laughs> see all our uh, viewers again next week. Uh, God bless. Take care.